License to talk, first first guest, first show. Immigration, Mark. Immigration's big on that. I don't know anything. Mark doesn't know anything about it. You may not know anything about it, but luckily we do have somebody here that does know. He is a retired deputy field office director of ICE detention and removal and also happens to be my father, James Joseph Crean. Welcome to License to Talk, James Joseph Crean. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> so give give the people, just so they, they, they know that we're not just bringing in some guy we found to talk about immigration. Yeah, some guy who used to have a curveball. <laughs> stumbling, you know? stumbling down the street. Yeah. This so give him a little curveball story. Give him a, give him a little history of your education, how you started, yeah, blah blah blah. I got a BS in criminal justice from Buff State, 1972. Respect. 1974, I joined the Border Patrol. Was stationed in Nogales, Arizona. Respect. And then. In 1975, transferred back to Buffalo as an immigration inspector working the Niagara region border for 22 years until I then became a supervisor in formal, formerly deportation Respect. office and uh, eventually worked my way up to deputy field office director when I retired in 2005. Or Sorry, 2007, after 33 years. So obviously, Respect. you're better around. Were you the union president? Yeah, I was president of the union when I was uh, an inspector. Impressive. Respect. Oh, respect. So explain today, the big thing is is now is the, the, the crying children, separation from the children and their parents, like... You know, all these diehard liberals and actors all crying and giving their look into the camera. Explain how that works. Well, how it works is the border is set up mainly to handle people from nationalities that are from the border countries, which would be Canada and Mexico, mainly Mexico. If you encounter a Mexican, a Mexican family they're immediately returned to Mexico, no questions asked. However, the Central American people pay their way through Mexico, supported by the Mexican government, and when they get to the border, once they obtain entry into the United States illegally, they use the dirty A word, which is asylum. Asylum was set up so that if you have fear of persecution in your home country, there's a set of laws and criteria in which you are judged whether it's a valid claim or not. That's handled by a judge, an immigration judge in the immigration court. That process can take years, especially with appeals. Some of them are going on for 20 plus years. So is this new what is going on here right now? No, there's nothing new about it. It's the same old scenario that's been rehashed, revisited time and time again. The, the problem with the current situation is that they've gone to a zero tolerance policy. In other words, you break the law, you're going to be arrested. In the past, these people were encountered and immediately just released while their cases were pending. 
if they were shown not to be a hazard to the country. So the asylum is gone. The, when they said asylum, that's what the word they could use. It was a key word. They had a main word for them to, in other words, stay here indefinitely by going through the asylum process. They've watered down the asylum. It was set up initially for political reasons. They've expanded that, that you have fear of domestic violence. Well, who doesn't have domestic violence? Every country in the world has domestic violence, including our own. You have fear of gang activity. Well, I got news for you. Unless you're living in a cave, there's gang activity in the United States. That's not a grounds for asylum. However, judges in certain districts have allowed it and set case precedent and so that as soon as they say the word, they have to be heard. So what, what, what happens next? Like, what, what is the end game here? Was this, was this followed? Was Clinton doing this? Was Bush doing this? Like, what, why is everybody all attacking uh, the president when it doesn't seem like he's doing anything different other than upholding the law? Seriously. Well, that's the difference. That's the difference. All his predecessors did not enforce the law. If you enter the country illegally, you're subject to arrest and deportation. In the past, they've allowed them to make their claims and release them into the country, some never to be heard from again, and others to get through the process of their asylum hearings and sometimes be granted status through that. What, what's your opinion on it? My opinion on it, the law is the law. If they're looking to change something, change the law. Right. Which they can't, you know, it's virtually impossible to do. Every president that's sworn in in the last 20 years has said that I'm going to fix the immigration problem. I'm going to change the law. It's never been changed. So out of, out of all the presidents since, let, let's say, Carter to Trump, who's been, has, has Trump been the hardest on the immigration? Oh, no. No? Uh, Ike. Oh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yes. He used to send groups into apartment buildings, city by city, rounding up all the illegals, packed them on planes, boats, and sent them back to wherever they came from. Oh, and that's the other thing they don't use anymore. They, they say immigrants. What are they called? What, what's the real title? Illegal immigrants. Or illegal aliens. Or non-documented aliens. Right. And I, I remember growing up all the time, you'd say, I got another goddamn alien I got to go take care of. And at first, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I thought he was in the CIA. But then, Star uh, Wars is real. <laughs> so then, then all of a sudden, you know, it, that's what they're called, illegal aliens. When I'll tell you something, Mark. When we were at Family Day at uh, the Peace Bridge, Family Day ended early because I don't know what exactly he did. You want to tell? There was a there was he doesn't know what there was a Jamaican gentleman that didn't didn't do so well that day, and Family Day ended. Oh yeah, because I had to go to work. <laughs> Actually. Uh, Canadian border is just like Mexico, out west. There's 
tens of thousands of miles of unguarded territory with maybe a sensor planted in the ground, four agents to cover 5,000 miles, truckloads of dope is coming across all the time. What's the hang up here? Do these people really do do? I don't. I don't want to know. What do you say? Uh, I don't want to say liberals, Democrats. I, people are pro-immigration. What's what do you think their end game is here? What 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 are they trying to do? Because they're not they're not going to get the law changed. Are they just trying to get it back to the old leniency that was just a loophole? Yeah, they want the you know the former status quo where everybody you know kumbaya, love and kiss. And, you know, of course, you may be kissing a MS-13 dude that just killed 50 people, but you love and kiss anyways. So, obviously, you, you think, do you like what's going on as a former uh, deputy field officer, director of ICE? Do you, do you like what you see? Actually, no, because in my position, I would have had to found jail space for all the ones that are locking up, and we don't, we're very limited in jail space. So, do you think that helps out? That, that, does that help somebody out? Does that help out pri prison space? Is there, is there places that these people can go? Is it a money game? Well, there's... Are there private prisons? Are they going to eventually have to go to that? There are private prisons that the ICE contracts with for jail space that are owned you know, by a lot of politically motivated, connected people, mainly in the Texas... Well, the four... Border, southern border states. You're talking California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. And there's a lot of private prisons down there built specifically to hold illegal aliens. The problem is none of them are designed, there's no such thing as a family prison. <laughs> <laughs> and with the new policy, which they want zero tolerance, zero tolerance means if you illegally enter the country, you're going to be criminally prosecuted under the U.S. Code of Federal Regulations, which requires you to be imprisoned. Well, you can't take your kid with you to a jail, to a federal prison. Right. It, just like in our, in, in our case, you don't take your kids to jail with you. When you go to jail, yeah, you go to prison. Right. So basically, they need to... You like the president is saying you need to come into our country legally. How do they come into the country legally? Well, they go to the U.S. consular embassy in the country where they live and fill out an application. And then there's background checks which can take years to see if you're a criminal, to see if you're lying about anything on your application. The easy way is, you know, make your way up to the Mexican border, come across, and claim asylum. Right. Then you're here. It, it's similar to the, the situation where they had with the Haitians and the Cubans. They used to say dry foot, wet foot. If they, one foot lands on dry land, you can't get rid of them. If you intercept them at sea, you'd send them back to Cuba or to Haiti. But Obviously, the Mexican border, they look for the first immigration official they can find to claim asylum. Because then they're entitled to benefits, 
because while their cases are going on, they can apply for work permits and so on and so forth where they can actually work legally even though they're illegal while their cases are pending. So what what do you think happens? What, what What's going to happen here? This is just going to be bullshit for the next th three to eight years? Somebody's going to have to back down. And... Uh, Obviously, the track record of the current president, I don't think it's going to be him. Right. And uh, all the people, you know, they can say what they want. You know, it depends on what day. If they're not hugging a tree, they're hugging, you know, MS-13 dude yeah. from yeah. El Salvador. But as long as it doesn't affect them, they can talk about it. Mm. I know you're a fan of Mexican food. What? How did that ever feel? Like sitting there being like, you might be the master chef wizard of tacos, and you just can't come into this country. <laughs> How does that make you? Did you ever have a feeling like that? Never just... bothered me. <laughs> so you were stationed. I never down. told them I worked for immigration because they'd spit in your food. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so delicious. You you were stationed. Like, did, Sean, do you uh, you getting down with the Mexican now that you're living by the border? I gained uh, 22 pounds since I moved down there. <laughs> so, yes. You look good, though. Mole all day. <laughs> Where did you live in Texas when you lived there? Well, I went through the Border Patrol Academy. At that time, it was in uh, Los Fresnos, Arizona, which is Brownsville. It's the Rio Grande Valley. If the U.S. had to have an enema, they'd do it in Brownsville. <laughs> <laughs> it turned you into a tr true cowboy. <laughs> You that's there's something there's a <laughs> there's something going on that that's where one of the the kids prisons are that's Correct. where well that's where they're encountering the most of them that's big it's the shortest distance from central america to the u.s right <laughs> how and there's no deserts there so chances of them making it alive are much better how do you think you would have fit in with this uh administration if you were working today? Hey, you follow orders. You're told what the policy is and you do the best you can to do the current policy. If it's lock everybody up, you lock everybody up. And that's the big problem nowadays, Not is nobody follows directions or the law. They're questioning everything, blaming it on somebody else. You see it every day. I think we just all learned together. That was nice. I feel it like wasn't. I know something now. <laughs> See? I really... You, you will learn something here yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Not me, all the time. Me and you were sitting here around. It's, it sounds <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to have an educated person yeah, in the room. Because I, we're, uh, other than that, we'd be like, what did you think of Solo? <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. It's good to have a nice, educated... Yeah, I, I, I just... Uh, I just think people got to move on. I, 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 don't, I don't think you want criminals in your country. It's just not good. And I, I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm just an American, and it's the rule. I just follow the rules, Marky. What can I say? It's important. Learn together. You know? If you had to guess what happens next with this big fiasco. Oh, it's, gonna, it's coming to a head now, and something's got to break. And I think if they're going to, uh, it's my hope that they hire more immigration judges and expedite this asylum process 
And once they see that their claims are frivolous and are not going to be honored, and they're being sent back to their country, why would you make a you know two thousand mile trip through Mexico, you know, from Central America, trying to get to the United States, only to be turned back? So you're just going to follow the rules. It's the only way. We would hope. <laughs> do, you th do you think this sometimes, um, and I this derails? Because you got to also remember something else. We had uh, some uh, sandy friends, not that don't like us, and we're are we forgetting about them? Are we concentrating on this? And I mean, let's face it: Middle Eastern men from the ages of fifteen to thirty-five don't like us. Are we forgetting about them? No, but you can't group everyone it's sure. the same. But that's the problem. That's why they have the current ban from certain Muslim countries, because you can't vet these people properly. And these people live in sometimes mountainous regions where they don't know, you know. There's no address. There's no mailbox. Exactly. So how do you check the guy's background, see if he's, you know, a jihadist or if he's anything? And uh, you can only go by what they tell you on paper and it's it's almost impossible to check out so that's the right move not letting these people in from that country it was that a hypothetical wall or is that a real i mean now it you think of it it's, it could have been a hypothetical yeah build the walls what do you think of the wall well when i started in nogales arizona they had uh towers which they used to man and watch the border well, Lady Bird Johnson went down and didn't like the looks of it because it looked like a concentration camp to her, like she would know what it looked like anyways. <laughs> and they all came tumbling down. And, uh, you know, then it became, that's not our problem right now. Right. So here comes the influx. And they keep saying that, uh, you know, they're taking jobs from Americans. Well, they are. There's a lot of jobs they do that other people won't do, but there's also a ton of programs where you can, as an employer, petition for people from various places like up northern New York, apple pickers. They're seasonal. They come in and work for six months and go home. Make their money, and they're kings of the hill when they get back to Jamaica and the other islands in the Caribbean where they're mostly from. And you got the Latinos, you know, mostly Mexican, but they're all working the farms in Eden, all throughout, you know, Ontario County, all throughout New York State. Mark, you got any, you, you got any more questions for our guest here, uh, Master? Uh, well, I mean, he's probably the hardest person I've ever bartended for. <laughs> Why is that? You, you do work. He makes you do work. You know, he gives he for those that don't know, it. he gives you the bottle back you and it's still it. cold. Yeah, you'd look at the bottle; it's still frosted. So you don't know. Like, yeah, whether he didn't it's... even take a sip yet. He's telling a story. It's like no, <laughs> you don't even know if it's if it's empty or if it's full. Yeah. They go down like water. Yeah, I mean, it's a skill. It's a skill. Mark on nine eleven. We waited for my father. Always with nine eleven with you. Yeah, I, mean, I don't you know. You bring everything back to nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> on 9-11 yeah. we had dinner together you remember this 
So we had dinner together, and I, the, 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 this right here, I would actually, this is me growing up asking questions, wouldn't you say? A little bit. Yeah, Herb Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd say, I said, uh, well, Dad, what, 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 what's going to happen? You know, I mean, uh, the m- most unbelievable thing just happened, you know. He looks at me with this look and goes, can I just eat my goddamn steak? So that about sums it up with the brutally honest game. Everywhere I go, he's always respected. We'll have him on more, more again. He's kind of like our, uh, our, uh, Flight, Big E's the champ. We got C Flight, Defending champ. Oh, we'll, we'll get him on the line here. Yeah. The the license to talk hotline right now. Comes right through there. Hello. Hey, how are you? What's up, Doc? Nothing. You're on the line of License to Talk. We're sitting here with Mark Sumbrum and uh, Mark Barrett. You got a couple minutes? Absolutely. All right. We're previewing. What's up, Shaq Daddy? Raj, you win your match? Yeah, three and two. Congratulations. You've been playing great, dude. Keep it up. Might be might be a little early. So we're, we're doing a little preview of the club championship. We talked a little bit. Uh, we, we talked about players uh not moving up their class after they win any any opinion on that from the silver fox guys that don't move up after they win the class the year before well i mean it's on them think about it it it's it's all about what you can offer to the to the golf course i mean if you're not if if, if you won last year that's great but that doesn't mean that you came out the next year and you've been practicing and playing and doing the same things you were the year before look Braz can attest to this. You know, two seasons ago, he, you know, it was a completely different story. But last year, he got married. He had a lot of different changes in his life. And obviously, when something like that happens, you know, it it, it could be, it could make someone play worse. Or in Mark's case, it could make him play even better. So, I mean, yes, the course, or excuse me, the club wants us to move up if we play well. And that's something that should obviously happen. But at the same time, you know, what if you're injured? What if something happens like happened to you, Jimbo? I mean, I'm not talking about a two-year, like, you know, recovery, but let's say you sprain your ankle playing hoops down in the first ward and you can't play um, the same way you did the year before. Those types of things come into play, too. So I can see both sides of the fence, but I respect the fact that the club wants to make sure that when guys win, they they move up and, and, and at least take a shot at the guy who's at the top at the next level. 
How's the course playing over there, Shaq? I mean, it's really, really, really hard right now. We haven't gotten rain in almost two weeks. So until that happens, things are going to continue to take a turn for the worse. I was there today, and Mark can tell you this, the pins were in places that they never are. So the staff over there, at the very least, is trying to save the better spots of the green. If you look where they had them today, it was all around the rim, Jimbo, like all on the ribbons. So they were all in the front or in the back. It kept people... It was fun. There it was, was it was a different look. There, there was a lot of yeah. movement on some of those putts that you know. You know what, Mark? Back see. in the day, they used to put the pins in a lot of the spots they were in today in the club championship. Now, the last two or three years, they've made it a little bit more conservative and a little bit more consistent. You know, in the same spots. But I loved it when they move it around. It makes it way more fun. I mean, someone like me who gets it all over the place sometimes it, it, it makes it fun to be able to chip from a different angle at a, at a pin that's usually never there yeah i thought it was pretty it was interesting today to, i thought the putts were moving had a little more movement on we were just talking about yeah, it was fun. we were just talking about who places the the holes and who's going to do the t placements for the championship well there's a new guy in town and and honestly i had an opportunity to talk to him for a couple minutes he's super cool it seems like he knows what he's doing and uh I think he's trying to save the course very, very early, which is something that the old administration didn't do. Look, we all know when it starts to get really dry, there's nothing much they can do. You don't have a sprinkler system out there to save it. We are at the mercy of of, of the rain. And if, if we don't get any, it's going to be like it was two years ago when your winning score was two or three over because the course is just so hard, you're not going to hold any of those greens. Does that benefit any player? Well, I know one that you're talking to right now that it could because I don't hit it as long as the guys they used to. But to be honest with you, there's so many guys playing well right now, man. I mean, I could go down the list of, of, of the guys that are playing great. Well, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Guys, it's a public course. To be honest, sure. in the years that I've been over there, it's never looked this sweet this late in the year as it does right now. And if we get the rain, I mean, we're going to have a blast. It's going to be a great weekend. I think last year it was really nice. Yeah, of course you do, Browse. You played the best nine holes of your life. <laughs> yeah, champ. Well, I mean, it rained. It it rained almost once a week last year. It was good for right. I think all everybody. Have you seen this this Tom McGolf from back in the back in the day, the no arm golfer that played at Casanova five days ago? Uh, I did some research here. July seventh, nineteen thirty five. Did you see this? Do you know? Of course. Do you see the guy who we played with? Yeah, he, uh, go ahead. Give him a little history. Well, Kingsbury is is, is the all time mecca of of Kaz golfers as far as titles go. He has I, I, I'm not positive, but he won four in a row, and I think he has eight. And he went to World War II and missed a bunch. So, I mean, just think about that. It's like the Ted Williams Joe DiMaggio effect if you really think about it. A guy like that who was just dominating over at Kaz and then goes and fights for a country, comes back and wins another one. Danny Boy, in like a couple of years ago, he had two under his belt. Actually, he had won three in a row, and he wanted the fourth because that's something that Kingsbury did and nobody else ever had, and that was something that Danny was chasing. Unfortunately, he didn't get it, but obviously we all know that that kid's still pretty good. How many guys in the club would this guy with no idea? Did you see any of the clips? We're watching it here. How you many? don't have to call anybody out here. No, I want you to. Who, who, <laughs> Who do you think this guy would be? Because <laughs> I'm watching him. 
I don't know. I might have a tough time. This guy hits it 170 down the middle. His his chipping was the best chip I've ever seen in my life from a guy with no arms. But I mean, <laughs> well, let's just put it into perspective. What year was that? That was 1935, July 7th. I don't think there were any titanium clubs back there, Jimbo. He and would I beat also don't Tony Canny. Bertha's were around yet. What do you think? I don't know, Tony but Kane. I want to get a no arm goal for the plate. 41, somebody dude. over there. I think. He shot 41 with no arms <laughs> in 1935. <laughs> I mean, that is. He, you would think he'd he could beat a lot of 30s people. Now. That's all I got to say about that. He could beat a lot of people doing that. And when it counts, I mean, think about that. You, you know, at that time, there was a ton of people probably like four or five, over there watching when it happened. That just was, like, incredible. I mean, the picture, if you look at it, it looks like a joke. It doesn't even look like it's real. It's like a man. Yeah, I didn't think it was real. I, I And then it, there's a YouTube clip, and we think it might be Cass. I don't know, though. It, it's it's very old. Yeah, give us your, your handle. We're gonna, we want to promote the, the, the handle, and obviously uh, the events come sure. up in August. These guys were- oh, dude, wait until – wait do you see where we, we got a little couple surprises – for you guys, and actually, Jimbo, I want you to be a part we of it. We want a so scoreboard. We'll that. That's what we want. Nice scoreboard. What? We want a nice scoreboard. Oh, dude, it's going to be. That's in the works. Last and year honestly, was we a already start. have it. We just haven't used it yet. Oh, from, yeah. my, from being a club member and not the last couple of years because of injuries, I have watched it. I, guys are doing a very good job promoting it. I, I think what you did uh, with South Park was cool. I think there's a lot of great things. But well, we want we want we want to give Braz a little karma here. I don't want to say jungle karma, but we also you know wanted to give the Silver Fox a little rub. We really wish you luck. I'm rooting for you. You're my pick. I know you. You're my pick. I mean, I like all those guys over there. This has been Licensed to Talk. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Licensed2T.